Welcome to the 10 o'clock hour. We are waiting for the inevitable, the fourth indictment. We think it has just uh, been voted on by that grand jury down there. You know, as Rob has been repeating, you can indict anything you want when you're a prosecutor with an agenda uh, and a grand jury. They're very, very compliant. You only need a majority. Uh, but somehow, I don't think this is going to stop us. I don't think this is going to stop President Trump. And as he put it, what was it? When did this come out? I think this was when... Who knows anymore? I, I guess this was the last indictment. What was the last indictment? I need one more indictment to ensure my election. That was August 3rd. And this would be the next indictment. And maybe it will. Maybe it will ensure his uh, his reelection. We're waiting for the actual document. You've heard by now that uh, 10, 10 counts and uh, 10 people. Rudy Giuliani, perhaps. Bernie Carrick. We should know more momentarily, but this indictment, and it's phony, it's ridiculous, it's ludicrous. This phone call, and we have, this is what they say is the most incriminating moment of the phone call. A conference call back uh, in June, I'm sorry, January of 2021, there were like 50 people on this call. And of course it was recorded. Does this sound incriminating to you? Cut one, please. I just want to find, uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Did somebody hear that and call the police? No. <laughs> it was normal. And somebody who was standing for election who's unsatisfied with the results and think there might be malfeasance is allowed to say every single one of those words. There are two things that are key. Alan Dershowitz told me the, uh, the first one. He just wants to find, find, not create votes, find votes, find votes that are out there somewhere. He believes, I believe, that they were out there somewhere. And I just noticed this tonight. What does he say initially? I just want to find. Wouldn't anybody who's up for an election, want to find votes that makes him or her the victor. I think that's logical. I think that's far from criminal. It's light years away from criminal. It is nonsense. But this is, a, again, a world where drag queens are hanging out with kids in the schools. Later on in that phone call, do you think this is a threat? I mean, I've seen The Sopranos, right? <laughs> so have you, I'm sure. Or maybe The Godfather. Goodfellas. Does this sound like a threat? Social media is big tech. Big tech is on your side, you know. I don't even know why you have a side, because you should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I know you don't. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. And um, you got to watch for a guy like Raffensperger who calls himself Mr. Integrity. I have a real problem with Raffensperger, Gabe Sterling, all of these guys. Establishment, the establishment. And they have made life very difficult for Donald Trump. But his life has also, his political life has improved dramatically. Look, we heard from Professor Dershowitz earlier, you know, they have made it uh, a huge burden for attorneys to get involved with Donald Trump. The 65 Project, I believe it's called. There are uh, scores of lawyers working full-time to have Trump attorneys disbarred. That is un-American. 
to say the least. Judge Napolitano, one of our Newsmax contributors, of course, Judge Napolitano. Welcome back, sir. Um, look, I'm waiting for this thing. But overall, how are you feeling about the state of the country? And if you have anything to share about this indictment, I have not yet seen it yet. Have you? Well, no, and I've been I've been scouring, you know, what our uh, competitors have been reporting, and nobody has it yet. I feel about the state of the country is uh, similarly to you and Rob Schmidt and Dick Morris, uh, as has just been articulated uh, in the past hour and a half. The government is totally out of control. It thinks it can write any regulation, regulate any behavior, and tax any event, and intrude itself into even innocent conversations and somehow call them criminal. But I have to hold back my firepower until I see the indictment. We don't know what kind of deals the government may have cut with people that may have been involved in this, even lawyers involved in this, who, in order to save themselves, might have turned on the former president. As Rob and I were discussing a few minutes ago, uh, Greg, uh, 16 Republican um, re Republicans signed documents to the federal government saying that they were the true electors from Georgia, that in fact Donald Trump did win the state and Joe Biden didn't. Twelve of them have admitted to the grand jury the documents were phony and in return for immunity presumably gave testimony against Trump. So we're going to have to see what that is. It's got to be more here than just the conversation. The conversation itself, which just, you just so nicely highlighted, is utterly innocent and totally without even a whiff of criminality. So for there to be an indictment that withstands a simple motion to dismiss the indictment, and Ms. Willis and her team know this, there has to be meat on the bones. Presumably we'll find that out in a few minutes uh, when the indictments are released. Well, meat on the bones. There, were no, there was no meat on the bones in the Stormy Daniels case, in my opinion, no meat on the bones in the January 6th and also in the, uh, the documents case. Rob Schmidt, is back. Rob, uh, thanks for being here. You know, I I think of Joe Biden tonight a little bit. Do you remember when he said, what did he say on Inauguration Day? Something about bringing us all together? <laughs> yeah. Bringing us all together. I mean, he could have he could have picked up the phone and say, hey, lay off President Trump. Yeah. A lot of people like that guy. And, and not, not only is he not laying off, he's behind a lot of this. I think a lot of people believe that. I mean, it seems very obvious that his DOJ that he has some kind of I got some kind of feedback in my ear, too, if you're getting that, too. Uh, it, there's something going on here. This is, this is dirty and it's very political, and it feels like it's coming from the top. It feels like it's coming through the DOJ, it's coming through Merrick Garland. The fact that they're going so soft on Biden with all the evidence against him, they're pushing everything that they can find on Trump, and they're doing it through these very unimpressive DAs in all of these places, like Alvin Bragg, these people that are letting their communities fall apart. It's, it seems very sinister, it seems very political. Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis, and, uh, and Jack Schmidt, who they had to bring in from the Hague of all places. Uh, and my understanding, he's, he, he wasn't doing, they put him at the Hague, uh, Judge Napolitano, for a reason. He was not exactly a, a superstar. He was overturned by the Supreme Court, eight to nothing, I believe. It was eight, one abstained. Um, they sent him to Tennessee to be the deputy uh, after he blew the Stevens case and then the McDonald case. These are, these are not the best and the brightest, uh, local DA and um, federal. You know, uh, guys like Jack Smith usually make the decisions behind the scenes, and they are rarely the people actually in the courtroom. <clears throat> I am sure for these two trials, Mar the two federal trials, Mar-a-Lago, which I think is the more serious uh, of the two, 
and and here's where Dick Morris's argument comes in. If I can extrapolate on that, the the argument Dick just made to Rob, uh, no one has been convicted of espionage in the post World War II era who has escaped imprisonment. No one. That's how serious the government and the judicial system takes this. But as for Jack Smith, he's going to be making all the decisions. I doubt he's going to be examining witnesses or making objections in the courtroom. The federal government has a cadre of superb trial lawyers, and I'm sure they will pick the best of the best uh, in these two cases. Can I say one thing about the documents case? I, I, I worked for the federal government for nine years, not at a high level. I was in the military, and I do you believe that— You probably had a, a top sec, uh, secret security clearance yourself. I did. Not top secret, but secret. And I do right. believe they're counting on the public's lack of experience with secret documents. It sounds so, oh, my goodness gracious, it's a secret document. But there are documented cases of, say, the Bush administration leaking documents classified all the time. Bob Woodward would yes. not be able to write a book without classified documents. Judge Napolitano, we thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back shortly, if you don't mind. Matt Schlapp from CPAC. The awesome CPAC joins us. Matt, uh, welcome back. I saw you earlier. Did you ever, could you ever imagine this happening and it helping Donald Trump? Say a year ago, they said he's going to be indicted four times over the, the next year and that Donald Trump would actually explode in the polls or not lose any ground, gain some momentum. It is kind of wild, isn't it? You know, Greg, I, I run into all these people that tell me I knew Donald Trump was going to be president the moment he came down that uh, gold-plated uh, escalator. And they told me every step along the way they could predict what would happen. I, for one, have been shocked since 2015 how much our politics have been upended by Donald Trump. And by the way, even though I live here in Washington, D.C., I worked for George W. Bush, I was maybe considered establishment by uh, a lot of people. I've loved every moment of it. This is a completely corrupt town, and it needs to be taken down. And we need to have a, nation's, a national capital we can take pride in. We need to have institutions that treat us all fairly. We don't have that now. So I'm rooting uh, for Donald Trump, and I'm rooting that these indictments help shake America up. Rob keeps asking people, what do the middle think? I, I like the answers that we're getting tonight, which is the middle, they're probably not as political as people like me, but they, they, they're they decent people, and they believe in fairness. And, the, and our major institutions are no longer treating certain people fair. People have views like me are not treated fairly. And Donald Trump is the one thing that can cure this country. Matt, stand by for a second. We're going to bring in uh, Sebastian Gorka back, uh, back in here. Uh, Dr. Gorka, good to talk to you again. Uh, Dick Morris, right at the very end of the, of the breaking news hour just before this show, uh, indicated that he thinks that Trump will actually be convicted and will actually be sent to jail uh, for I'm not sure which case, perhaps this case, but one of these cases. I personally can't fathom them going that far. What are your thoughts? No, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to take Dick Morris's word for that. This is the man who received 74 million votes, more votes than any incumbent president in history, more votes than any president since George Washington, more votes than Obama, more votes than Clinton, more votes than any president incumbent. So, no, uh, look, let, let's, let's just cut the crap. Let, let's just cut it all out. Why is this happening? It's happening because not only is he the number one candidate, to use the British term, he is the leader of the opposition, polling 20 to 40 points before his nearest challenger. In the latest polling, he is defeating 
the current income. That's, I, I, don't, I don't care what charges they bring against him. We know what this is about. It's the president's statement from Iowa this weekend. This is election interference. This is what they do in banana republics. This is what they do in Venezuela. This is what they do in countries where there is no rule of law. The only reason all of the indictments from the asinine Alvin Bragg all the way to this case in Fulton County is because he is the biggest threat to the current incumbent uniparty corrupt system we have. That's all you need to know. And I think the point you made in your last show and in Greg, what you're doing here is it's the key. What does the middle think? Every election is one in the middle because we have two tribes and then you've got to win in the middle. According to the latest stats, up to 25% of Americans decide who to vote upon in the last eight days of the election. I tell you now, they look at this and they say, I'm not voting for anybody except the person who is being targeted by the FBI, the DOJ, and the CIA. So as the president said, what did he say, what, uh, less than a week ago? All I need is one more indictment to become the next president. Well, they gave him 10. So, you know, <laughs> bring it, bring it, roll on 2024. We're, uh, we're still waiting for the indictment. The, uh, what we have right now, um, it's, been, it's been handed up. They handed up a sealed indictment after hearing evidence of efforts to overturn Donald Trump's loss in 2020. I'm reading actually from The New York Times, which we believe will have, be the first to have the, <laughs> the indictment. Yes. Um, its details, including who is named in the indictment and what charges are brought, um, not clear. The full indictment is expected to be released later tonight. And a quick check here. Yeah, nobody, nobody has it yet. And this is, this is kind of odd at 1014 uh, East they're Coast saying time. It could take a couple hours is what I think, what I think the uh, Journal of Constitution in Atlanta was reporting. Can I say something about this Georgia situation? I spent, I spent a significant amount of time after the 2020 election in Las Vegas, in Nevada, and uh, in Georgia. And I think what people are misconstruing is the following thing. I was on the Florida recount in 2000, and the whole theme was count every vote because the Democrats, much like they did to blacks in the South, didn't want to count the military vote. What the Democrats learned about the 2000 recount is that this idea of counting every vote really works. So what they fast forward to 2020, they wanted to count every vote. You know what that meant? That meant was count every vote that wasn't valid, count every ballot that didn't have a signature. So when the president says, find me a few thousand votes, he's not saying manufacture votes, which is what this ridiculous indictment seems to imply. What he's saying is follow the law, Georgia. Look at the signatures on the ballots. You should be disqualifying thousands and thousands of people who voted for the wrong location or didn't have the right signature on their ballot. We had no disqualification process in these states on these ballots. We didn't follow the law. That's why we didn't have a president at the end of the evening like we had my whole adult life. All of a sudden now, we can never know who the president is election night. Why can't we just follow these laws? This is what's outrageous. They're saying Donald Trump was involved in election interference. How about all the people that weren't following the election laws in Georgia, in Nevada, in Pennsylvania? In Michigan and Wisconsin, let's just follow the law. If we follow the law, if my side wins, great. If my side loses, great. We'll, we're going to be okay as a country. But we can't have people upend election laws and then have only my side get indicted. When Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton or all these other people questioned election results, Stacey Abrams, they didn't get indicted. They got book deals. They got put on corporate boards. <laughs> my side, you go to prison.
It's it, it, Matt. It's that's that's one of the best points I've heard. It makes perfect sense when you really think about it. You know, the the, the, the double standard is is comical, and they have to find these same people to try and pull off this this plan that they have. I want to show just some information here about Fannie Willis in Georgia. Uh, born in California in 1971, father was a member of the Black Panthers, Marxist-Leninist Black Power Group. Ah, activist Democrat. Ah, 16 years as Fulton County prosecutor. How's crime been in Fulton County the last 16 years? Probably not too good. Hadn't gotten any better since she was elected DA in 2020. This is who this is who they're up against. Matt, talk to that for a second, because you, you, you see the, the bio, you see these people all have the same ideology. Why is it it's always an Alvin Bragg? It's always a Fannie Willis. They get these same people that are radical left that know that Donald Trump is just standing in the way of an ideology that they have, a plan that they have for this country. These are people that are willing to do anything to remove him from blocking the path to radically changing this country. We've had at CPAC, we've had to raise a lot of money to take care of people's legal expenses, people that were associated with, you know, non-criminal activity. But somehow they've got the disfavor of the Department of Justice and the FBI. And so what's happening in this country, the called lawfare, where the left has grabbed onto this idea that they already control the media, they already control the corporate boardroom, they control social media. Now they want to grab this whole idea of the legal system. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind. But the Democrats are using the legal system through uh, radicalized prosecutors, mostly elected by George Soros, but also other people just put in these positions to go after Americans for simply believing in those values that founded this country and make it great. And it's two tiered. If you are on the left or you are a Democrat, they don't go after you for the very same crimes. Look at Hunter Biden vis-a-vis Donald Trump. Hunter Biden, through the uh, laptop from hell, seems to be a habitual criminal in every sense of the world. Donald Trump has lived in this uh, great, uh, has had his great American life and has never been found of any wrongdoing. But because he crossed the line politically, they're throwing the book at him. But behind him, Rob, are a lot of common people, coaches that don't want to teach that there are more than two genders, parents that want to teach their their kids and raise their kids in traditional values. People that want to stand up for the institutions that made this country great. How about this? You're a coal miner or you want to drill for oil and gas. You are now facing more and more legal scrutiny. And it's all being orchestrated by DOJ. And it's all being orchestrated by this attorney general we have, Merrick Garland. And my message to the Republican Party is you are playing the fiddle while Rome is burning. It's time to say enough is enough. How much more information do we need to know that the DOJ is on a collision course to go after Americans, even common Americans, for simply just trying to live out their lives. Matt Schlapp, amazing. Thank you very much. Sebastian Gorka, thank you. Uh, Rob and I are going to be sticking around uh, for until this thing comes out and we'll be joined by others. Thank you, gentlemen, very, very much. You know, one of the many silver linings, Rob, we're going to be able to talk about the election of 2020 again. You know, for a long time, Um, you felt like the police were going to show up if you started talking about uh, election irregularities in 2020. I have grave concerns about the fairness of the election. Can I prove that it was uh, stolen? No, I can't. So I don't say that. But I do think it's logical that 
changing COVID rules, as Matt mentioned. And sure. I mean, using COVID as a pretext to change all the rules, sometimes illegally. Uh, those issues have never been fully resolved. No. And uh, some on Trump's team, including especially John Loro, the new attorney, they seem very much prepared to go there and um, litigate that matter, which was never, in my opinion, sufficiently litigated. Is that, is, that, is that a can of worms that anybody wants to open up in this country is a great question. I mean, are they, does anybody want to look back on that and have to, to maybe go through some of these irregularities and, and, and decide whether or not that was right? I think we do. I think I yeah. think I think those of us who have our doubts about uh, how well that election was handled, you know, and that could be lucrative. And this could this could turn out in ways that the other side did not anticipate. I'd be I, I, I certainly think they could be opening up something that they're not going to want to talk about. The other thing is, um, uh, we mentioned it briefly, but Joe Biden, we do believe that he gave the green light to Merrick Garland and to the Democrat establishment. He thinks this is something that should be happening. Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. This, what we're seeing, this is a threat to democracy. Clearly, this is election interference. But if he were a man of his word, and he's not, I mean, but his whole soul was in it, uniting this country, his whole soul. Uh, every ounce of his being, you know, he could have done it that day. He could have done it since he could have said, you know, call off the impeachment, told big tech to leave uh, conservatives alone, you know, let them speak. A lot of things a president can do. It doesn't even have to sign anything. Just say, you know what? I think we've gone through enough. Gerald Ford, what he did, that was a pardon. But I think he could do something short of a pardon or maybe pardon the guy. I mean, that's what a that's what a good man would do. It's uh, the bait and switch that that, that Joe Biden was so obvious now at this point everything that he told us that he was everything that he's ever said that he was has been plagiarized it's all been fake it's all been phony his whole everything his whole repertoire everything about him there's nothing that's that's real about joe biden i think that's obvious to a lot of people after watching him in office for a few years hey he, the empathizer yeah. in chief the consoler in chief remember it's almost yeah. like he wanted to be a, a funeral director there for a while and yeah. that's what he he talked about death all the time and loss and we know what he went through but everybody's been through something and to hear him, what was it? No comment regarding the the Maui apocalypse. That was that was that quite was a tough moment. To watch. That was tough to watch. Yeah. We, they want to play something here. I think we should pull it up. This is Hillary Clinton. Rachel Maddow brings Hillary Clinton on in this moment. That's that takes some guts. Take a listen. Very fancy meeting you. Oh, here. I it's can't really nice believe this. <laughs> yeah, this is not the circumstances in which I expected to be talking to you. Nor me, Rachel. It's always good to talk to you. But honestly, um, I didn't think that it would be under these circumstances. Yet another set of indictments. And she's just tickled, isn't she? <laughs> They're just... so happy. Well, Hillary has some nerve. Some nerve is right. Unbelievable. All right. We are standing by. Actually, they're joining us right now. Mark Halperin, uh, the genius political analyst and Caroline Levitt from MAGA Inc. Uh, welcome to you both. Uh, Mark, your uh, thoughts. We don't have the indictment, but overall, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you thinking? Look, this is an extraordinary moment in what is promising to be an extraordinary year plus for the country. You've got two strong front runners for their party's nomination, both of whom face legal and in the case of Joe Biden, uh, health peril that could lead us to a situation where one of them, both of them, end up not being the nominee. So there's great legal questions for President Trump. There's great questions of constitutionality and national uh, mood 
for all the country. But if you're just thinking about this in the context of the presidential campaign, Dick Morris went further than some people have, but it's not far-fetched to imagine that one of these judges could put President Trump in prison or jail soon, sooner than a conviction, if they decide that he's violated the terms of his bail. And so we're looking at an unprecedented situation, regardless of, of, of exactly how these trials get sequenced, when they occur. As I said, we're dealing with two frontrunners who are strong frontrunners, but both in perilous situations. Wow. Great analysis. Uh, Caroline Levitt, I think we know where you're coming from. And uh, but please, uh, what, what, what is Trump world saying tonight? Well, it's just unfortunately another day in Joe Biden's America. But this indictment in particular, and it's uh, very similar to the January 6th indictment brought forth by Jack Smith, is quite telling. And they're not about 2020. Both cases, uh, these far left deranged prosecutors are talking about President Trump's behavior or conversations or speech that took place 28 months ago. If they really cared about his alleged wrongdoing on January 6th, which he did nothing wrong, he was encouraging his supporters to go and peacefully protest outside the Capitol, or if Fannie Willis really cared about this phone conversation where she's alleging this wrongdoing, they would have prosecuted him immediately. That's not what this is about. It's not about 2020. They don't care about that. What they care about is 2024 and removing Donald Trump's name off of the ballot so that he doesn't have to have a rematch with Joe Biden, who is the worst, most unpopular president in American history. And when you just take a step back and look at this from a greater perspective, we now live in a country where political dissent is criminalized. We're questioning the outcome of an election is criminalized, not for Democrats, We've seen them do it time and time again. You just mentioned Hillary Clinton. She's on MSNBC tonight, cackling and acting like this is just another walk in the park. I fondly remember her saying that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president installed by the Russians. No indictment for her. It's two-tier justice. It's a banana republic. These are scary, scary times. And as Mark pointed out, Democrats are going to do everything they can to put Donald Trump behind bars. And that's why we, the American people, you need to stand with him more enthusiastically than ever before. Mark, I, I, she, she makes such a great point. I mean, obviously, we, we see Hillary laughing with Rachel Maddow, and it just fills you up with uh, some kind of emotion when you think about, you know, the, the similarities to how both responded to their respective elections in 2016 and 2020, their election losses. Um, but I, I, I really worry about what's this going to do to the country? I mean, if, if you know, I, I, I'm still not as far as, you know, to, to think that they're actually going to throw a former president in jail. I just I can't fathom that, especially one that's currently running and looking really good and hasn't really. I mean, this is these are flimsy. These are flimsy cases and everybody can see that. But what, regardless, what is this doing to discourse in this country at this point? You've got both sides hell bent uh, in their camp and both sides are very strong against the other. Is We're not going to a pretty place. Well, to modify the metaphor, you know, you put a frog in some room temperature water and you start to turn the heat up and you watch it slowly move to boil. That's what's happened to this country since probably going back to the Bork hearings under President Reagan. What's happened in the last couple months with these legal cases against President Trump, with what's going on with Hunter Biden and the divisions in this country about the Justice Department and the use of prosecutions in, in political matters, Basically, we've taken a volcano and put it under the burner, and the frog is now exploding in the air. This country is going to go through something, uh, I think, in the next year plus that's going to make the partisanship, the division, 
of the last several decades look like uh, Robert's Rules of Order. And I think the left, understandably, is upset about President Trump's conduct in some cases. Even some of President Trump's own aides will tell you that his conduct in many cases was not appropriate. But what happens when you've got one party whose organizing principle is Trump derangement syndrome and the determination to use any means necessary to keep Donald Trump from getting back to the White House, that is a distortion of the process that is undermining a lot of American sense of fairness. You know, Caroline, I think Republicans should be jumping up and down about this. Uh, his rivals, Mike Pence, uh, the rest of them, uh, DeSantis. and. Uh, across the board, they seem to be very much, well, you know, the jury's going to have to decide. Uh, not, not, not in all cases. DeSantis has been critical. Vivek has been critical. Um, but I don't think the party leadership has. I mean, this has been fun in a weird way. You know, we're, their money's coming in. The polls are doing great. Uh, but I don't think the party apparatus has taken this as seriously as it should. And they're not doing as much as they can to, to rebut some of this stuff. Well, you have some Republican candidates, as you pointed out, Greg, running to hold this highest office in the land and saying that these indictments and this political lawfare against the former president are is a distraction. How can it be a distraction? This is the utmost priority for our nation. We have a two-tier system of justice. We have the taxpayer-funded Department of Justice that's supposed to be locking up real criminals in American cities and said they were focused on locking up the former president of the United States who millions of Americans voted for and still believe in and want to be their next president. So this is the number one priority for so many Americans. For any Republican running for this office to say that it's a mere distraction is frankly disqualifying. Now is the time for Republicans to be rallying around Donald Trump to adhere to the will of the voters, which poll after poll time and time again shows us Republican voters want Donald Trump. And I have to uh, disagree with Mark just a little bit. I think the middle of this country, independence in this in this country, common sense, good-hearted Americans are looking at this stuff and saying, this is too much. They've been going after this guy now for seven, eight-plus years. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's engaged in an international bribery scheme. And meanwhile, by the way, my grocery and gas bills have never been higher. So when you add all of that together, there is a groundswell of support from the forgotten men and women of this country that got Donald Trump to the White House in the first place. And they will get him back there again. We just got to keep punching back. Rest assured, Donald Trump, of course, has the best law team in the business who will continue to fight these sham accusations. But the American people, I certainly believe, anecdotally and based on the polling, are waking up to the truth. And the beauty of the truth is that it's always revealed. I love it. Caroline, actually, Mark, if you don't mind, and anyone, please feel free. Uh, we're waiting for this indictment. It has not come down yet. The procedure's down there. The timing of it, a little bit bizarre. But, Mark, you have fantastic sources at the White House um, in all administrations, but particularly this one. I, For the good of the country, and what you spelled out there a few moments ago sounded very dark, very foreboding, and I don't disagree with you. It's... Uh, it's deeply concerning. A magnificent thing to do for the country right now would be to pardon the president, turn down the heat. I, I feel like there are options that they have that they're not, they're not exercising. If they really cared about the country, you said Trump derangement syndrome is their operating principle. That's no way to run a country. Is there anybody in that world who is thinking more broadly along these lines, like we have to do something good for the country. And I don't think it's good to prosecute President Trump. 
I guess they think otherwise. Well, look, it's never good to have an intersection between politics and the law. Never good. What we have now is a demolition derby between the two, and that's going to go on for months. Uh, it's impossible, no matter how fair-minded you try to be as a citizen or as a journalist, it's impossible to evaluate the, the reason for these prosecutions. At this time, you've got a federal prosecutor proposing President Trump go on trial two weeks before the Iowa caucuses, when the Justice Department's process and, 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 and guidelines are don't do prosecutions that might interfere with an election. And people just accept that as a reasonable proposal. I think you're going to see a lot of speculation about the prospects of a pardon. Do you know the last two people on earth who are thinking about that? Donald Trump and Joe Biden. If Joe Biden were to pardon Donald Trump, Rachel Maddow's head would explode. He would lose support from the far left of the Democratic Party if he even entertained that. Isn't that so, such a huge problem, though, Mark, that I mean, the, the, the idea that what's good for the country is, is very rarely good for one political party or the other. I mean, that, that's why it's, it's so divided. That's why we're in the situation we're in now, because n nobody in, in that town, for the most part, thinks about what's actually best for the country. You all know plenty of Democrats, and you know what Democrats think. They think Donald Trump is the greatest threat to the republic since the Civil War. And you know plenty of Republicans who think that an attack on Donald Trump through these indictments is an attack on half the country. Those are hard positions to reconcile. And that's why the next few months, over a year, through November of 2024, regardless of the pacing of these legal cases in both the Hunter Biden case and Donald Trump cases, it's going to be extremely painful for America. I know who's driven these divisions more than anyone, short of Joe Biden and the Democrats, the media. Uh, the media have perpetrated this uh, this fraud on the American people that Donald Trump is this nightmarish version that you have uh, summarized. A lot of people genuinely believe that. And I understand you look, Caroline, not everybody likes the <laughs> likes the tweets or the demeanor and that kind of thing. I happen to like it. I like the policies, too. But some people can't see can't see beyond that. But what the media have done and continue to do to this country, and it's one thing almost all presidents agree on. <laughs> they almost all hate the media. It's one thing that I think Donald Trump and Joe Biden, if they could ever be in a room together, they might bond a little bit. They both despise the media, which is puzzling to a lot of us. We think it's really unfair. But the Bidens hate the media. Am I right on that, Mark, by the way? All presidents think they're covered unfairly. But, Greg, you're also you're also right about the role of the media here. It's 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 extraordinary. Uh, if, if, if any other profession engaged in the level of incompetence and unfairness that the media has engaged in for the last nine years, they would be disbarred or fired or publicly shamed. The problem is the press doesn't want to acknowledge what it's done. And Donald Trump is not blameless. Joe Biden is not blameless. But when you have one side being treated like the home team, over and over again, that's going to impact what half the country thinks of what's happening. Yep. That's very well said. Just, Greg, just to answer your original question, you said, do you think there's anyone in this Democrat world, anyone in this D.C. establishment world that wants to do the right thing by the country? Absolutely not. Joe Biden would never consider pardoning Donald Trump because it's horrible for him politically, but also because these people hate 
America. Alvin Bragg campaigned on getting Donald Trump. Fannie Willis just launched a fundraising website when she was announcing her indictment of the former president of the United States. Their Department of Justice labeled parents as domestic terrorists. They're spying on Christians and Catholics in masses. They hate this country. They want the chaos. They want us all fighting against each other. That's why they're focused on race and gender ideology and, and sexual identity rather than what defines us as Americans, which is a love for this country. It's internal. It's a war. They want us all fighting amongst ourselves so that they can exert more power, more control, more big government. Until next thing you know, we are a communist regime and we're not that far away from it. And so, no, I don't think any of these people care. They don't, they want Donald Trump in prison. They want half the country mad about it. Uh, and then they want ultimate control. That's where they're headed with this. This is a uh, live look at Atlanta right now. A lot of police vehicles outside the courthouse. We presume this is right outside the courthouse. Yes, Fulton County Courthouse, where, uh, strangely enough, um, 1030 at night, you know, they've been working on this thing for over a year. And um, I don't know, I mean, maybe um, 9 o'clock, 930, 10, 10 a.m. would be uh, yeah. suitable on a weekday if they wanted to bury it, hold it for a Friday night. I don't know. This seems totally unnecessary. Perhaps there's some security um, calculation that they've made, but uh, I don't know. Caroline and Mark, we thank you very, very much uh, for joining us. Uh, great insight and commentary. We're joined now by uh, Bernie Carrick, the former police commissioner who did a lot of investigative work on uh, election irregularities in conjunction with Rudy Giuliani. And also Joe DeGeneva, the former U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, Welcome to you both. And Bernie Carrick, uh, first to you, there's been talk that perhaps you are on this indictment uh, or Rudy Giuliani. Do you know anything? We have not seen it yet. Have you? Do you know? No, I, uh, I have not heard anything. Uh, and, and I would be shocked. Uh, you know, it's, it's ironic. I'm, uh, I'm on this panel with Joe here on June 5th of uh, 2020 when I walked into campaign headquarters to begin the investigations, Joe and his wife were actually sitting in that room. We worked together uh, collecting data, collecting affidavits, collecting intelligence, collecting information. And uh, ironically, guys, I, I have a document that I actually sent to your producers with a list of things from December 10th, from December 10th to the 4th, that we were actively looking at in Georgia, whether it was deceased voters, whether it was uh, wrongful ballots, whether it was uh, wrongful registrations. Uh, I, I, there's a whole list of things that we were looking at. It's impossible for me to believe that anyone could indict Donald Trump for not thinking, for not thinking that the election was rigged because that's what we believe. That's the evidence we had. That's the data we had. That's the investigations we were conducting. And a lot of people said, well, it wasn't conclusive. No, it wasn't conclusive. We had six weeks to do those investigations. We didn't have subpoena power. We were understaffed. We were non-staffed, really. Um, we were underfunded, non-funded. Uh, the bottom line is we were doing the best we could. But nobody can say that those investigations weren't real. Nobody can say that we weren't conducting a good faith investigative basis uh, to collect the evidence that we could. 
And where was the information coming from, Greg? It was coming from legislators in Georgia. It was coming from civilians in Georgia. It was coming from databases in Georgia. That's where all this stuff came from. That's what we were looking at. And Rob kept saying earlier, you know, I, I, I give Rob a lot of credit because he was saying this. There's no way, there's no way anyone wouldn't think it was rigged based on what we were looking at. There was tons of evidence of fraud and improprieties coming from a, dumb, a number of different places. So for somebody to say that Trump was lying, like in that federal indictment, they said, well, he was lying when he said it was rigged or he believed it was rigged or he believed that there was fraud. I don't get it. I don't get it. We have probable cause then to believe that there was fraud and irregularities. I believe, me personally, we have probable cause today based on what's been found since then over the last two and a half years that there was fraud and improprieties. Yeah. The, the, the idea that, that, that Trump actually thought that he had lost and was making all of this up trying to steal uh, the election for himself. I, if, if you've listened to him at any point in the last three years, you know that the whole face of this is, is just utterly ridiculous. Joe DeGeneva, I just want to bring in a timeline here of the indictments uh, for everybody to see. You see April 4, 2023, there's the Manhattan DA. Uh, was just a ridiculous case to start with uh, right on its face. Stormy Daniels, just utterly ridiculous. June 13th, you got indicted in the federal classified documents probe. Uh, August 1, federal election probe. Uh, and then you have uh, August 14, uh, and here we are. Um, all of this within five months, uh, right before, I mean, right as the country is deciding who's going to be the Republican candidate. Um, this all, I mean, do you think there was a, an intention to delay all of this? Was, did, they, did they conspire together to say, hey, let's make all this pop at the same time? Well, uh, I don't know if there were meetings, but this had been decided as a process that the Democratic prosecutors were going to engage in. So uh, I was listening to Mark Halperin talk about this and about the, the atmospherics and the politics. Let's be quite blunt. Every one of the prosecutors involved in this case is a Democrat. These prosecutions are ill-conceived and ill-founded in a republic that requires good faith between political parties to maintain civility in the conduct of our public affairs. What the Democrats have done by bringing these four sets of indictments is they have ended 250 years of comity. They have upended the Constitution for partisan political reasons. None of these cases should have been brought. This should have been handled through the political process. And what the Democrats have done, and make no mistake about it, it is the Democrats that have done this. They have unleashed something that they will not be able to control. You may not see it now. You may not feel it now. But I can tell you this. The American people, in subtle and quiet ways, know exactly what is going on. They see their country being destroyed. They see the partisan aspects of this undermining the rule of law. They see the attorney general of the United States lying repeatedly to the public about what he knew, what he did in a case in Delaware, making a most ridiculous appointment of a special counsel I have ever seen. As a former United States attorney, 
and a former independent counsel of the United States, I got to tell you something. I am very worried about this country right now. I fear that things are going to be unleashed that nobody will be able to control. What is happening now is stupid. It's ignorant. It's gross. It's, it's, it's a form of political violence that only happens in third world countries. This is very, very dangerous. And the laughingstock of Hillary Clinton, that thug, that absolute thug who made up lies about Donald Trump with the Russia hoax, which she created with her lying thug friends, to watch her smile and laugh. She will not be, she will smile, by the way, no matter who gets harmed by this, no matter who gets trapped gets trampled by this, this incredible legal process, this lawfare, which has been unleashed against a single man. We are, I, this is so dangerous, I fear for this country. Joe DeGeneva, I love it, and I totally agree. Stupid, ignorant, gross, all of it, all of it. Uh, thank you. Stand by, gentlemen. And something that's infuriated me personally, the lack of transparency, that's a word that uh, Democrats like to use during the campaign. Here we have uh, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, making some of the most uh, controversial announcements that the Justice Department has ever made in its history, and then just running out of the room. Take a look. Mr. Smith is the right choice to complete these matters in an even-handed and urgent manner. Thank you all. I am confident that Mr. Herr will carry out his responsibility in an even-handed and urgent manner and in accordance with the highest traditions of this department. Thank you all. Have you ever spoken to the president about this investigation, sir? I am confident that Mr. Weiss will carry out his responsibility in an even-handed and urgent manner and in accordance with the highest traditions of this department. Thank you. If you and the Mr. Weiss had the authorities what he needed... The, the walking out of the room looks like he's fleeing somehow. He's fleeing. And uh, Jack Smith does the, uh, does the same thing. Uh, Bernie Carrick, this is not how professional law enforcement behaves. Um, you know, <laughs> DAs generally, you know, they have an indictment and the public has questions through the media. Questions are asked and then answered. They are behaving like they've got so much to hide and they can't really withstand basic questions. Well, between the, between the wording and the, and, the, and the video itself, it's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. Um, yes. Uh, look. You know, uh, we've been around this. I've been around this 30, 35 years. I've never seen anything like this. But then again, I've never seen a president um, that refused to answer questions uh, that would run off the po at the podium and take off into the sunset, uh, you know, during press conferences. Um, I want to I, I want to say one thing, guys, to both uh, Rob and, and Greg. Uh, the guy on this panel with me, Joe, Joe DeGeneva. I give him a lot of credit, man. It, he was with us. You know, when people think of Trump being targeted, everybody around him was targeted. Every single person around him, his friends, his family, his supporters, his staff, and most importantly, his lawyers. Joe was there as one of his lawyers, as was his wife. 
They have crucified this guy. They have tormented him. And he still has the courage to stand up and call it what it is. And I give him a lot of credit. Amen. Well said. Joe, well said. Um, tell us a little bit about the price. Look, you're a tough guy. I know you can uh, you come back from anything. But they, Bernie's right. They did hassle you in a million different ways. I believe they raided your house. Well, it's really interesting. Um, this Project 65 uh, tried to get me disbarred. They filed a bar complaint in the District of Columbia, which went nowhere because it was baseless. And uh, Victoria and I are putting together a fund to litigate and sue people like Project 65 to vindicate some of our rights. But, but the, the issue here is very simple. The lawfare which is being conducted against the former president of the United States is being conducted against a lot of people. And it's very, very frightening. The American people are just now beginning to understand it. And what we need to do is, you, we, we have to elect a Republican president. I must tell you, this is a relatively simple thing. Uh, it's gonna be very difficult to do it because the mainstream media is against the Republican party and they're against conservatives. The fix is in, I have very little faith that the mainstream media will even come around on how bad the Biden corruption has been since he was vice president of the United States. But the answer to this is a new president. And that's why the American people have to vote. They have to vote. They have to get everyone they know to vote. They have to replace Joe Biden with a new Republican president. And we have to keep the House absolutely, categorically, unequivocally, must keep the House and take the Senate. These are really, really tough roads to climb. And you know what? The, the, the country is at stake. The Constitution is at stake. And it's worth every bit of fight that everybody has in them, because this is the last chance we're going to get. If they win this election, you can kiss this country goodbye. It's a scary thought. Joe Geneva, Bernie Carrick, gentlemen, thank you so much. I want to bring in Rick Santorum now, along with Mark Halperin, uh, looking at this further. Rick, you know, uh, we, we, played the, we played Rachel Maddow having Hillary Clinton on tonight without even a sense of irony to it, I suppose. Um, you know, the, the charges here uh, against former President Trump for asking questions about an election that had a lot of screwy things to it. Um, where, where, when do the charges come down for the woman that lost the 2016 election and then invented an entire story to try and cripple a presidency? When do those charges come down, Rick? You know, that's why you're you're seeing the you're, you're feeling just listening to your programming and, and certainly uh, listening and watching on social media. I mean, the outrage, the anger, uh, the frustration uh, that uh, Republicans, Trump supporters are having tonight. Uh, it is uh, it is it's a. <laughs> It's a very dangerous time. I, you know, I heard Mark talk earlier. It, it really is a dangerous time. Uh, this country is deeply divided. Uh, you, you, uh, you look at Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, and you see uh, both of them doing things that clearly raise uh, questions of not just ethical but potentially cr criminal behavior, and they're they're treated completely differently than than Donald Trump. And uh, it, it's, I get it. I, I understand the anger. I understand the frustration. Uh, but on the other side, I, you know, I, I, I hear the Democrats and I, and they look at Donald Trump and they see Donald Trump as someone that they, they consider to be very dangerous because I'm, I know things that, that a lot of Republicans don't like, 
uh, and 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 a lot of his behavior they don't like, and they see they see that as threatening. So you have two people living in you know you have two groups of people living in the same country who just see the world differently, and uh, it's a very dangerous time as a result of that. Uh, looks like uh, we're standing by for a press conference in Fulton County, and uh, it is quite a moment where we can hassle President Trump about peacefully and patriotically protesting on January 6th. And he just wants to find enough votes. Fine. He wants to find. Yet the majority leader, or I guess the then minority leader of the United States Senate, Chuck Schumer, can go out in public and say something like this. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. You know, you could you could listen to Donald Trump for for years and never hear anything so offensive, so violent. Um, you know, I know there were all right uh, offhanded comments at a rally or two, but this is and oh, by the way, somebody took him up on that offer. You know, actually, hundreds of people did and showed up at Justice Kavanaugh's house. One guy came with a bag of weapons wanting to kill him. This is all illegal, what we're seeing. Oh, by the way, there, there is a federal law against parading and picketing outside of a judge's, a federal judge's home. Yet they they get away with it and it's tolerated. And the media is uh, along for the ride. And, and Mark, uh, what you you said about the media earlier was so, so true and, and, and so devastating. And as we wait for this thing, uh, are you hearing any reaction and anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. Well, we may not have much longer to wait. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution now is reporting that on the Fulton County Clerk's website, charges are beginning to appear including a charge they say approved for President Trump. So I think we should all be refreshing the website and being ready for this press conference, which they're going to hold after the indictments are processed by the clerk's office. Well, that's good yeah. news. And Senator, you I, wanted to say something? Yeah, I just want to make a comment here. And and you, you, you refer to comments that Chuck Schumer made others. The Democrats have to realize they, they, they don't they think they can get away with this, but they have to realize, just like when they changed the filibuster rules, that it's going to come around to bite them. They have changed the rules on on how you treat political opponents uh, through the criminal justice system. They have they have fractured every bit of comedy. Joe DeGeneva was right on that front. And, you know, we are uh, we're in for a very, very rough time as a country. And. I wish I could say I, uh, you know, I, I knew uh, the way out of this, that, that it's just going to be a, a, a bloodbath, uh, a judicial bloodbath between now and, and, and the next election, uh, followed by, uh, depending on who wins the election, another judicial bloodbath after that. It'll be back and forth recriminations depending on who wins the presidency. And, and Democrats, I, I, I don't know that they, they think that that's true. They think that they have the coverage of the national media or they think Republicans will will stand down and, and not not take take uh, America off the off the edge. But the reality is they have they have done some incredibly dangerous, damaging things to this republic, much more damaging. Uh, and I was as critical of Donald Trump as any Republican out there for a lot of the things he did and said. But nothing approaches the danger that they have put this country in with these with this serial indictments uh, and and legal uh, uh, jeopardy that they're that they're putting a presidential candidate through and former president through. 
Uh, Mark, I'm but refreshing folks, like crazy, yep, but I got yep, a loop here. What I, do you I, have? I've texted the indictment to you guys, but let me tell you, again, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, I normally wouldn't read off of Twitter, but their reporters are top-notch on this. Here are the names they say they've seen in the indictment. President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, Chesbro, Jenna Ellis, Sean Still, David Schaefer. Donald Trump and 18 allies indicted in the indictment, and I've sent it to you guys. Yep, uh, and thank you very much. And uh, let's start. Let's start. Well, the question, I guess, is, is, is anybody going to flip? Um, I saw Jenna Ellis in there. I know she and Trump don't get along too well anymore. Mark, your thoughts? Well, Mark Meadows is interesting because there's been a lot of suspicion and concern in Trump world that he has flipped. He's part of this indictment, according to according to what I've seen so far. Uh, I'm looking at it now. Uh, state of Georgia. I'm seeing if there are any other names on here I didn't read to you before. Um, 98 pages long. Here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going through some of these people, uh, uh, Jeffrey Clark, he was the uh, he was an assistant attorney general, somewhat mid-level. Kenneth Chesbrough, he's the one who wrote the memo, a lawyer in New York who I believe just wrote a memo about possibilities and, and hypotheticals regarding January 6th and contesting an electoral vote. I'm sorry, Senator, go ahead. Yeah, the one that sort of jumped out to me was David Schaefer. He's, he was the state chair of the Republican Party in Georgia, uh, which, uh, again, I, you know, I've known David for many, many years and, uh, and actually talked a lot with him throughout this process. And uh, David was very, very public about just, you know, following the rules and staying in line with, uh, you know, uh, actually with Governor Kemp in many cases and just in tracking down everything. But uh, to see him thrown in on this was a little bit of a surprise and uh, one that, you know, you sort of raise as well as is this is this someone they're trying to squeeze uh, because I don't I didn't necessarily see David as sort of part of Trump world. Defendant Donald John Trump. This is the this is the indictment itself. The introduction lost the United States presidential election. It's a political statement, right? <laughs> Held on November 3rd, 2020, one of the states he lost, Georgia, Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. That conspiracy contained a common plan and purpose to commit two or more acts of racketeering activity in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia. Racketeering is a kind of a catch-all, the RICO statute. It is uh, obviously too broad. I'm reading this right now. It reminds me, it reminds me of Jack Smith's second indictment, overtly political, partisan statement after partisan statement, and uh, so far, not impressed, but we're all reading it as uh, as we speak to each other. 41, 41 counts. False statements, solicitation of violation of oath. Conspiracy to commit election fraud, false statements, perjury. Mm -hmm. Sidney Powell is one of the people indicted here in count one. Everyone will know her as one of Donald Trump's attorneys from the recount from the post-election period. Solicitation of the Vice President of the United States. Now, this, this again, the overtly political nature of this, corruptly solicited the Vice President of the United States to violate the United States Constitution and federal law by unlawfully rejecting the Electoral College votes. You're allowed in America. 
Sorry, you're allowed to talk to the vice president of the United States, if you're the president of the United States, with a view that may or may not ultimately be proven correct by the Supreme Court. People disagree about the Constitution's meaning all the time. We have five to four decisions all of the time. People disagree about laws like the Electoral Count Act of 1887 and what it means. They debate this stuff, and you're allowed to debate this stuff. Unlawful breach of election equipment in Georgia and elsewhere. Uh, Now, this is perhaps new. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, how, how is uh, a, a, uh, a charge that, that the president tried to inappropriately uh, influence or corrupt the vice president have anything to do with Georgia law? I mean, this is, you know, if there is anything, if there's any charge there, it's a federal charge. It's not a state charge. This is, this again, this is a fishing expedition. This is just throwing uh, everything in the kitchen sink at, uh, at Donald Trump uh, that uh, maybe wasn't covered by previous indictments, but uh, clearly... Um, not, not again. As I mentioned earlier, just as just uh, a weaponization of the criminal justice system for uh, obvious political purposes, and uh, it's a, another bad night for America uh, and for our criminal uh, and for our, um, our judicial system tonight. Unlawful breach of election equipment. Now that sounds like wow. Unlawful breach of election equipment. What do they have? Well. This is what it gets down to. Uh, Members of the enterprise stole data, including ballot images, voting software and personal voter information. Then it was distributed to other people. Now, that actually does not say what it says it says. That's not actually uh, breaching. That's not manipulating election equipment. Look, I think the whole thing is a joke. We have uh, days to go through this. what about some of those names? Sidney Powell is not a surprise. The only surprise name, let's see here, would be Mr. Schaffer. And tell us again who that is, please. David Schaefer is the uh, Republican chairman of, uh, of the state of Georgia. And as I said, he made lots of public comments, was out there uh, writing op-eds and the like, talking about how Georgia election law functions. Uh, the, he had a, uh, a program that they were working at the state level. Uh, to track down, you know, all the things that you look for in an election, you know, people who voted who, you know, were no longer living in the state, people who were deceased, people who had changed the dress. I mean, all the all the routine things you look at with respect to uh, a, an election to make sure there wasn't a, uh, you know, in a close election like that, whether there was enough votes in question uh, that that could throw this race uh, into uh, a, re- a rerun. And that's that's what Schaefer was focused on. He made it very, very clear. Uh, I find it uh, just very, very disturbing uh, that that he would be listed in this in doing something that every uh, every chairman of every committee, every Republican or Democratic committee would do as a routine course to check the validity of an election. You know, just I mean, when you just read in the introduction, it's it blatantly says, as as Greg pointed out, that he lost the election uh, and and that they basically began a conspiracy to try and change the outcome of the election. That those are that's just manufactured to instill their politics into what really happened. This this would basically mean, um, Mark, that you can no longer question an election. You can no longer legally challenge an election because you are. You have to just you have to accept any election as it stands when the results immediately come in. Any legal challenge at this point, if this goes through and this is the very introduction of the whole the whole case hinges on this, any challenge to that at all 
means that you're questioning an election. And there's the, that, that obviously is, is the subversion of democracy, according to what this ridiculous indictment says. Mark. Well, remember, this, this is the prosecutorial indictment. There's no defense voice here. Uh, some of the folks who are indicted appeared before the grand jury, but some did not. And, and they'll have their day in court, assuming that this doesn't get thrown out. What, what strikes me most about this indictment as compared to the, the Jack Smith indictment uh, for, you know, some of the same activities, some of the same allegations, and as you said, uh, some that will be pushed back immediately, saying that this is political speech, this is the rough and tumble of American politics, is this indictment is not focused singularly on President Trump. As everyone knows, there were six unindicted co-conspirators, many of whom appear in this indictment. But that Jack Smith indictment was about Donald Trump and Donald Trump only. This indictment is significantly more uh, wide-ranging. It could fill 10,000 episodes for Joy Reid or, or, or Rachel Maddow in the narrative here and in the cast of characters. And some of the charges, so for instance, some perjury charges, don't relate to President Trump at all. So this is going to be uh, a while. We, we could stay on the air for five more hours, and we wouldn't be able to unpack the whole thing. But you're right. At essence, this entire indictment is about attempts by the side that was not declared the winner to see what it could do to change the result. The Democrats and the prosecutors will say they broke the law in trying to change the result. President Trump and his supporters will say they simply were engaged in, again, the rough and tumble of American politics. Well, Mark Halperin, thank you again. Sebastian Gorka, thank you again uh, very, very much. And I'm sorry, <laughs> Senator Santorum, thank you again very, very much. Sebastian Gorka is standing by uh, along with Judge Napolitano. And uh, Judge, I think this is the, uh, well, actually, uh, uh, the senator's a lawyer, but you're a judge, and we need your opinion on this indictment uh, that we're all kind of consuming here. Uh, your first reaction, sir. Well, my first reaction, guys, is that uh, this is another um, indictment charging thought because the the definition of crime is harm. No one was harmed by any of this. If you put the screen up again showing the four indictments and the dates they came down, I'll give you 15 seconds on each one of them, and they all have the same common theme. The one in Manhattan is a bookkeeping charge. No one was harmed. No one lost a nickel. The one at Mar-a-Lago... No one was harmed. He didn't give the documents away. He didn't share them with anybody. He didn't sell them. Uh, they were all eventually returned. Uh, the indictment that just came down for the federal election probe, power did peacefully pass uh, to Joe Biden. The, pre the former president was not accused of having anything to do with whatever happened in the Capitol on January 6th. He was only accused with uh, trying to get people to do things that they didn't do. Again, no harm. And finally, the indictment that just came down uh, a few minutes ago for all of its um, uh, jurisdictional defects by alleging events that occurred outside the state of Georgia, the same defect as the other three. No one was harmed. These are thought crimes. Conspiracy is a thought crime. These are the arguments that his lawyers will make in all four of these cases. But the public needs to know. The government has reached for the lowest hanging fruit, the crimes that are the easiest to prove because they don't have to prove that anyone or anything or any government was harmed. Interesting about the lack of victims. Easiest to, uh, to prove, also the easiest, I guess, to allege, uh, Judge yes. Napolitano. Looking at this thing, I'm not a lawyer. It's big and sloppy and all over the place. 
And as Senator Santorum was the first to point out, there's, I mean, all kinds of federal violations, alleged federal violations in other states, Pennsylvania, Arizona. They're, well, they're, the, they're complaining the, the about the phone court, call. The state, the state courts in Georgia are, are not competent to try federal crimes. You, you can bring a federal matter, a federal civil matter, in a federal court in Georgia. You could even bring a federal civil matter in a state court in Georgia, but you can't bring a federal criminal matter in any state court, particularly one that took place outside the jurisdiction of the state. Now, again, I haven't read it. I don't have a copy. I'm going to take it to bed with me and read it, so I'll be ready before the sun comes up. Uh, but a lot of this, on the basis just the snippets that Mark Helprin and the others gave us, seems uh, weird uh, and and extremely abnormal, to say the least. Sebastian Gorka, please, um, please join us. What are you What are you thinking? What are you seeing? Well, I'll, I'll just expand upon what you just heard. If you put into strategic context what we've witnessed for the last what, six months now, or even from the raid on Mar-a-Lago by armed agents of the FBI, a raid during which uh, the attorneys for President Trump were ordered to stand outside of the building. His attorneys weren't even allowed to see what the FBI were doing, you know, inside Melania's wardrobe or inside the president's office at the Secret Service protected facility that is Mar-a-Lago. Let's, let's be clear what happened in 2020. President Trump, used his legal recourse to see if he could undermine the election fraud to uncover and gain some kind of recompense for what occurred. He failed to do so in most cases because the judges were too cowardly to even hear the cases. This story you keep hearing about, oh, 70 times uh, the judges heard the evidence and it was dismissed. No, they didn't even listen to the evidence. And then what happened, Greg? I was there. I was at Andrews Air Force Base. I like the original name, not Joint Base Andrews. I was there with a small coterie of individuals who'd worked for the president, who were supporters of the president. And I watched and I listened to him with Melania give a farewell speech on the afternoon of January 20th. And then he climbed on his jet and he flew to Florida. He left the White House. They have accused him of being a dictator, of attempting to steal the election. He did nothing of the sort. What we are witnessing right now is what dictators do. When you use local prosecutors like Alvin Bragg, when you use special counsels who have been shut down eight to zero by the Supreme Court because of their absolute zealous political persecution of people like the former governor of Virginia, Bob McDonald. When you see now this case in Georgia, trying to bring conspiracy and RICO charges against the president and his attorneys. This, this, Greg, this is dictatorial behavior. So the man they say is dictator did nothing illegal, and now they are trying to remove him from being the candidate against the incumbent by using authoritarian tools. It is uh, the upside-down, bizarro world we live in. And I know one thing about it, Greg, it is truly un-American. Yeah, gentlemen, stand by just for one second. We want to bring in Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates from Florida, on the phone uh, with us. Uh, Congressman, if you can hear me, um, 
I'm not sure how much of this you've gone through. We're, we're just slowly reading through it right now, but I'm, I'm seeing uh, actions that happened in the state of Pennsylvania, actions that happened in the state of Arizona, somehow all tied in uh, in Fulton County here. Uh, thanks, Rob. I've had a chance to read through the indictment, and I, th I think the operative question is, you know, what conduct is criminalized and then who are targeted as the criminals? And there, there are three broad categories for the conduct that is criminalized. The first is this belief that Georgia had an improper election. You know, the country had seen uh, a lot of, uh, of images that concerned them. Um, there were changes in laws that, that uh, people, you know, really wanted to analyze uh, with greater depth. And there are rules regarding ballot custody and chain of custody in Fulton County and DeKalb County that are different than the practices that you see in other counties in Georgia. So those questions uh, seem to have really triggered a lot of interest from prosecutors. The second is the positioning of alternate electors. Uh, any effort to position alternate electors was deemed criminal, even though uh, there hasn't been a Republican president sworn in absent some objection to electors since George Herbert Walker Bush, for goodness sakes. And the third is the criminalization of the development of legal theories with the indictment of Mr. Cheeseboro and Mr. Eastman. If someone had a, had a constitutional legal dispute with uh, the perspective that the, that the Fulton County DA has, that was deemed criminal. So, uh, you know, this uh, conduct, uh, I think, is going to be subject to a lot of First Amendment defenses, advice of counsel defenses. I think appropriate context for folks is that Fonnie Willis actually campaigned on this, that she would indict President Trump. And there, there sort of seems to be a certain keeping up with the Joneses element to all of these prosecutors where they have to get a wider net of people or have a, a series of talking points laid out in an indictment that reads more like a resistance lib monologue with each and every iteration. And I also think that the goal here uh, is, is to criminalize anyone involved in those efforts and indeed to use the process of lawfare to overwhelm the Trump circle. You know, uh, it, it is quite something that anyone who you know, was a maintenance worker at Mar-a-Lago might be the next target, or anyone who carried the president's bags may be deemed a criminal. And that has a psychological effect on a campaign and on uh, a movement that want to have a debate about ideas and the economy and uh, kitchen table issues and the future of the country. But it's very hard to do that in conditions like this, where the normal things that we've seen play out with legal theories and objections now uh, seem to be subject to criminal process. And I think the goal is to obtain some conviction of President Trump uh, before uh, we're, we're at the, the election. Uh, and if they can obtain any conviction before the general election, they'll say, oh, well, this is a convicted felon, Donald Trump, and that'll be the new dominant talking point. And they're trying to get as many rounds as they can in the chamber in Manhattan, in Fulton County, and with these federal prosecutions led by teams with, you know, with deep contacts with Democrats. And so uh, we've got to, from my perspective as a Trump supporter, uh, plow through that. Uh, I've been very vocal on Newsmax and in other places that uh, we've got to 
assert Congress's equities here, uh, including getting these prosecutors to provide their communication with the Department of Justice, which we, we have reason to believe exists, but we haven't had the opportunity to review. And uh, though I know they're your competitor, I have to note this uh, finally to you guys. Uh, Act 22 in the indictment alleges that on December 23rd, President Trump told people to watch One America News Network. Now, I know they're your competitor, but I think we would all agree that watching One America News shouldn't be a crime, that that, that, that asserting that as criminal, uh, I think, points to how blatantly political this endeavor is. Congressman, you know, we just had Sebastian Gorka on. He talked about how the, the judges did not look uh, at evidence in, in the 2020 challenges. I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, here at Newsmax, we obviously accept the election results as legal and final. But the fact that this could, what this could open up as far as the, you know, investigate, looking back on 2020, your thoughts on that? Yeah, similarly, I, I accept the final result. I, I know that because I don't get invited into the Oval Office anymore. But what Dr. Gorka is pointing to is the frequency of uh, decisions on a lot of those presentations of evidence on jurisdictional grounds rather than on the development of facts. Uh, evidentiary hearings occurred rarely, if at all, in these challenges where witnesses could be called. Instead, a lot of judges deemed that they didn't have the jurisdiction to resolve the disputes presented. Uh, just recently, um, you know, I've become increasingly concerned about uh, ensuring that we've we've got at least a minimum federal standard for ballot chain of custody, for a voter ID, uh, something that you'd hope all voters would, would want to ensure that, that lawful votes are not diluted. Right. In this case, merely the organizing of alternate electors seems to be what, what is deemed critical and, and criminal. You know, Congressman Gates, um, you had quite a weekend. You were with the president. I don't think everybody realized that the guy in the T-shirt with the sunglasses was you uh, over the weekend. I believe that was you, right? It doesn't necessarily look like, uh, you know, your, your granddad's congressman, but that was you. Did the president talk to you about the, uh, the indictment, the pending uh, indictment? Honestly, the president was focused on the concerns of our fellow Americans. Uh, you know, he had another, a number of uh, moving exchanges with people who presented, uh, you know, him as the as the real feature of their hope for the country. And as as we're going through these challenges, I implored the crowd there in Iowa to to fight harder with each uh, fraudulent and improper use of criminal law against this person who, who represents the vision and the hope and the aspirations of so many of our neighbors and friends. Uh, and, and again, I think that the purpose of the, the cumulative criminal effort here is to try to deem President Trump somehow a convicted felon uh, before voting day. But what I saw in Iowa was, was a, a more committed electorate, a more enthusiastic group of people ready to go and caucus for President Trump. And, you know, I know President Trump doesn't like it when his surrogates wear T-shirts. I get it. But, you know, <laughs> I'm a Florida man, and it's kind of the wardrobe in the Sunshine State. So uh, I went with it uh, despite his preference. Hey, it works. you got to be you. you got to be you. He's him and you're you. It works. Congressman, if you don't mind, stick around. I think we have Judge Napolitano back on the phone. you got a hard copy or at least a digital copy of this indictment, which to me seems like it's all over the place and is a little bit too grand. Judge, what do you think so far? Well, about half of it will be uh, dismissed because it purports to cover events that the, the courts and 
Georgia just simply don't have jurisdiction over, as we talked uh, earlier, events that occurred in Pennsylvania and in Washington, D.C. But the linchpin of all of this, the one charge that applies to all 20 defendants, so it's Donald Trump and 19 others, some of them we all know their names, Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows, the, the household names. The one charge that applies to all of them is this Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organization Act charge, which simply allows the prosecutors to say that every time they had an agreement and decided to talk about something, they are racketeers. Now, that is a taint because that will be used in the courtroom. And the prosecutors can look at the former president of the United States and the former mayor of New York City and the former White House chief of staff, et cetera, et cetera, and call them racketeers. It's a taint that goes back to the mob days when this, these statutes were enacted. It was in 1970. It was enacted to bankrupt the mobs. So that if the mob had stolen a million dollars, the statute allows the jury to take $3 million away from them. So it's a statute never intended to use be used in a situation like this. Uh, but the Fulton Judge County prosecutor persuaded the grand jury uh, to do it. And now we're going to be living with this yeah. for the next two years that a grand jury in Georgia says that Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani are mobsters because they were engaged in acts of racketeering. It's nothing more than a label yeah. pinned on them because of private conversations that they had, which did not harm anyone. These are victimless crimes. Judge, can and I ask you real I'm quick? I'm sure that Trump's lawyers will move to dis dismiss nearly all of them at the outset. When I, when I read through, I mean, it's, there's a lot of counts, Act 40, 50, all the way through here. I see a lot of, you know, Trump made a phone call, this person made a phone call and, and, and made a, a, a fraudulent or a false statement. Uh, and it's, it's all based off of, again, I see so much of it is, is based off the idea that these actors that are through here, all 18 or however many have been indicted, um, knew that what they were saying was completely false. And we're saying this anyway to try and get something fraudulently. Um, I, I see that everywhere in this. I, the I think only you've way seen it too. I mean, I, if, can, what if they what if they believed what they were saying? Well, if they believed what they were saying, then there's no what we call mens rea. There's no guilty mentality. There's no knowledge of wrongfulness. And these are the type of crimes where the government has to prove that what you what you were doing you knew was wrong. How is she going to prove that? She's probably going to prove that by bribing witnesses, by saying, tell me what I want to hear and I won't indict you if you right. testify against the big guy, if you testify against Trump and if you testify against Giuliani. That's the only way she can prove that is by bringing in someone in their inner circle, giving them immunity and, and having them say to a jury what she hopes that they will say. It's reprehensible, but the courts allow it all the time. The phone call is a major part of this indictment. The phone calls Trump made to Georgia officials, including Raffensperger and Brian Kemp. That one call we have, we have a recording of it. I've listened to it 50 times. I can't imagine that anything could ever be possibly considered criminal. But then again, we're a country where... As I said before, drag queens are now encouraged to enter uh, so Greg, fourth grade classrooms. Uh, Secretary yes, of State Raffensperger himself has said he didn't feel threatened. He didn't feel pressured. 
He didn't think he was being asked to do anything illegal. There were 50 people on that call. Mrs. Willis probably found one or two who have a different interpretation than the recipient of the call, uh, Mr. Raffensperger, and she got those people to testify to the grand jury, and she's going to put those people on uh, in a trial jury. Well, you know, if uh, I, I may wouldn't want to be the judge who tries a case with 20 defendants, there's going to be 50 lawyers at counsel tables. So the first thing that's going to happen is this is going to be split apart. Trump's going to be tried by himself. The others will be tried uh, separately. You simply can't have a mob scene in a courtroom uh, because she decided to indict 20 people at the same time. I, you know, I think that Raffensperger actually did intimate that he was he was threatened. But I think that guy is threatened by uh, by house cats. Actually, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Zelensky is the one who wasn't threatened. Zelensky is the guy who didn't feel threatened. Judge Napolitano, do me a favor. Uh, we're going to come back to you in just a little bit. Thank you very much, Judge. Invaluable tonight. We're joined now by uh, Caroline Levitt once again from MAGA Inc. and Abe Hamaday. Uh, Republican candidate for attorney general in Arizona. Uh, once again, welcome to you both. Uh, Abe, you're the attorney. Uh, if you could, please lay it on us. What do you think? Well, I'm a former prosecutor. I'm just amazed at the amount of state resources that went involved in this indictment. And if you think about how much time has been wasted, not just here in Georgia, but also in New York, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, but also with Letitia James, who's been trying to get President Trump. But this isn't just an indictment against President Trump. This is an indictment against the American people. And that is what we're watching is so scary right now. It almost seems like a Greek tragedy. You know, the trial of Socrates, it appears to be. So this is where I think so many people right now, with all these indictments coming, it seems like Groundhog Day. And it's really, it's really doing a destructive force to the rule of law. And that is what's so scary, because I'm not sure how we're going to survive going past this Rubicon that they've crossed now. Because in the future, if they succeed in trying to get the pressure for Republicans to not nominate President Trump, if they succeed in that, they win. And that's why right now I'm calling for all Republicans to unite behind President Trump against this witch hunt. Sounds good. Uh, Caroline, uh, I think we need more of that from some of the Republicans who are running for president. I mean, obviously, they're wasting their time. I mean, how many of them are in the single digits? They're not moving. They're going down. Yet they're still uh, they're still, I think, you know, hogging resources that could be better spent on election integrity efforts, Caroline. Oh, absolutely. Look, Greg, this primary is over. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. He's leading by 30 in Iowa. He's leading by 30 in New Hampshire. He's winning in every single state. He has record-setting crowds across the board. And it's because common-sense Americans can see this for what it is, which is a sham indictment to imprison him. It's political persecution. And common-sense Americans don't like it very much. I don't know if you guys got down in this indictment to reading toward Act 100, but Fannie Willis actually thinks that it's a crime to encourage people to watch this network, to watch Newsmax. Listen to this. She writes, on or about the 30th day of December 2020, Donald John Trump tweeted from his Twitter account, hearings from Atlanta on their Georgia, Georgia election overturn now being broadcast. Check it out at Newsmax and many more. Then he goes on to criticize Brian Kemp. So it's a crime for Donald Trump to encourage people to watch this network in Joe Biden's America. That's the thought police they want to control what we think, control the media we consume. That's communism, my friends. You know, um, wow, that is something else. I mean, look, we were we were calling it like we saw it. Um, I just 
And it's okay in America to, you know what? Hey, is this right? We just had a pandemic. Maybe, maybe we didn't get it right. Let's make sure we get it right. Um, the idea that, I mean, the, the idea that I'm, I'm looking at that, at that count now, I mean, hearings from Atlanta on the Georgia election overturn are now being broadcast. They had a hearing to talk about it. And that's a that's a count against somebody as a crime to watch to watch to watch a to watch a hearing. And you know what? That this is it all comes back a little bit to January 6th. They had to make that seem like Pearl Harbor, that any picking up of the phone call and possibly maybe even berating Vice President Biden, uh, sorry, Pence, any kind of political behavior could lead to a. Oh, my goodness gracious, could lead to a, a riot. And that is the worst thing in the world that could ever happen. I think that's why they had to dramatize January 6th beyond all reasonable proportion, Abe, and uh, make it make it the ultimate crisis in American history. Well, if you look at right now, you know, the role of a prosecutor is so important. It's one of the most powerful positions in the entire country. And it, but it requires good, honest people. And what George Soros recognized about, you know, 10 years ago is all you have to do is take over these offices with not that much money and politicize the hell out of it. That is the way to destroy this country. When you destroy the rule of law, the one thing that unites every single American, that we are equal under the law. But this is what they've done. They've gone after President Trump in such a nasty manner. They could have brought these charges years ago. Here we are six months away from the first presidential primary in the Iowa caucuses. But this is all done because it's political. And what, they've, what they're doing right now, and I don't know how much longer this is going to continue. It appears that there may be more charges coming, whether it's from the federal government or other state agencies. But this is what is so frightening right now is that what you're seeing is so many people are buying into this idea that this grand jury indictment is legitimate because, you know, it's a big deal to be indicted. That could that could sink you. That can bankrupt you. And that's what they appear to be doing right now. But as any good lawyer knows, you can indict a ham sandwich. So just because the president Trump was indicted, we all know that this process has been totally political and it's one sided. So we have to obviously wait until we have the defense. But you know, unfortunately, it's to the detriment of the American people because this is what they want to do. They want to consume the American people with these types of indictments to shift the focus away from Joe Biden and his corrupt, corrupt son and his corruption family. Uh you know, as we wait for the press conference over there um, in Fulton County, that's a great big silver Fulton County emblem right behind the it's a kind of I, I don't know. It looks a little odd to me, this little setup they have there. But it's what time is it on the East Coast here? Eleven thirty on the East Coast. And we're waiting for, we believe, Fannie Willis to come down and uh, try to uh, spin this all for us as some legitimate attempt at achieving Justice. Uh, that's the scene there. That's it live in Atlanta. And we actually were told it was going to start at 1120. And uh, that hasn't happened yet. Um, Abe, thank you very much. If you don't mind, Caroline, stay with us. We're joined by uh, Mike Davis. He's the president of the Article 3 Project and a former law clerk to Justice Gorsuch. I think back when he was a back when he was an appeals court judge. Hey, uh, welcome, Mike. And um, you're an attorney and you're also an American patriot. Can you please give us your reaction? I've uh, quickly scanned through this indictment and it is long. Uh, it, it is loud and it is lawless. And if you read this thing, it is silly. We have 19 defendants that this Democrat district attorney down in Atlanta is charging with 41 felonies 
for the non-crime of a former president objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And it is also not a crime to twist arms politically. That is allowed by the First Amendment. It is, it is only a crime to object to presidential elections in third world Marxist hellholes like Zimbabwe and now New York, D.C. and Atlanta. This is Democrat lawfare by these Democrats prosecutors where they want to bring these uh, lawless charges against President Trump with these Democrat prosecutors, Democrat judges and Democrat juries. And they want these Democrat prosecutors, judges and juries instead of the American people deciding that who's going to be the next president. And that's not going to fly with the American people. The, the American people will decide the next presidential election on November 7th, 2024, not Alvin Bragg, Jack Smith, Fannie Willis, Tish James, or these other goofball Democrat prosecutors. Do they have to turn themselves in, these defendants? I mean, is President Trump going to have to go to Atlanta to turn himself in and be processed like in uh, Miami and here in New York? Is that is that uh, required? Can you tell, Mike? Uh, you know, I, I, I presume that President Trump will go to his arraignment. Uh, probably, I, I think it would be on Thursday is what I'm hearing. Maybe it's a different day. But this is a kangaroo courts that they're running down there. They 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 had the indictments on the the, the court's website earlier today. Uh, this is a clown that the wheels have fallen off the clown car in Fulton County, Georgia. And this is not going to fly. We saw with Alvin Bragg's indictment that that won the presidential primary for President Trump, the Republican primary. Jack Smith's first indictment for the non-crime of a former president having his presidential records, which is allowed by the Presidential Records Act, uh, put Trump within uh, very close contention with Joe Biden. Jack Smith's second indictment for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election, I think won the, the general election for Trump. And now Fannie Willis's dumb indictment of President Trump is going to ensure that President Trump wins by two or three percentage points. Mike, what's this doing? I mean, what's this doing to law and order in the country? I mean, when, when people see something like this, I mean, look at how, how ridiculous this is. I mean, the, the, the scale of it. I mean, it, it, all of this, these are actions. These are just people believing something and looking into it. And we're vilifying that and we're criminalizing that while at the same time uh, they look at next to nothing uh, with the guy that's sitting in the White House right now. Yeah, these are republic ending tactics by these Democrat prosecutors, and maybe they don't care. I mean, this is your the, this is no longer our parents or grandparents' Democrat Party. These aren't liberals who love America. Yeah. These are leftists. These are Marxists who hate America. They don't believe in due process. They don't believe in, in equality. They don't believe in, believe in free speech. They believe in Me Too. They believe in equity. They believe in censorship. Now they believe in throwing their political uh, political rivals in prison for the rest of their lives. This is not going to fly with the American people. Uh, we're already, we are already seeing the backlash in the polls. This is going to backfire spectacularly on Joe Biden and the Democrats on Election Day 2024. Caroline Levitt, uh, what does this do? We hear anecdotally this uh, really helps fundraising and uh, does it. Can you tell us a little bit more? You know, there's an indictment like this. I'm not supposed to give money. I, am I really want to give some money. This is crazy. This shouldn't be happening. And uh, you really feel that impulse. 
And what about, because I keep hearing it in the fake news, that uh, they're spending, and this would be, you know, I understand, they're spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars on legal fees right now. And there might even be more money going out than there's coming in. Well, if this indictment, and it already is proving to be like the last three, common sense, independent thinking, a good-hearted American see this for what it is, and they're rallying around the former president more more strong uh, and more enthusiastically than ever before. We see it in the polls. He's leading in Iowa by 30, New Hampshire by 30. Uh, he has raised a lot of money because people are fed up, and they don't want to see their tax dollars go to a Department of Justice that's not seeking to lock up criminals in Atlanta or in New York City, but rather to is looking to imprison the former president of the United States. So as we said earlier, Greg, you know, this primary is over. And as Mike just pointed out, too, uh, independents are leaning towards President Trump because of these indictments, in spite of them, and also in spite of the disastrous Democrat agenda uh, led by Joe Biden's administration that is hurting them where it hurts. And let's not forget, while Fannie Willis and Alvin Bragg are focused on making up these 90-page indictment of baseless accusations, sham witch hunt against the former president. There are murderers and burglars and robbers and rapists on the streets of Atlanta and New York City tonight who will go on to terrorize innocent Americans. And that's who's really suffering of it. And those people are going to get out and mm. vote for the man who demanded law and order, and that's Donald Trump. Caroline, uh Caroline, stand by for us. Fannie Willis is uh, set to speak here in Fulton County, Georgia. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with the prosecutors and investigators who have worked diligently on the investigation of criminal attempts to interfere in the administration of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. The indictment includes 41 felony counts and is 97 pages long. Please remember that everyone charged in this bill of indictment is presumed innocent. Specifically, the indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Lewis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows, John Cheeseborough, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Lynn Ellis, Ray Stallings Smith III, Robert David Cheeley, Michael A. Roman, David James Schaefer, Sean Micah Tresher Steele, Stephen Cliffgard Lee, Harrison William Prescott Floyd, Travion C. Cootie, Sydney Catherine Powell, Kathleen 
Austin Latham, Scott Graham Hall, and Misty Hampton, also known as Emily Misty Hayes. Every individual charged in the indictment is charged with one count of violating Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office beginning on January 20th, 21. Specifically, the participants in association took various actions in Georgia and elsewhere to block the counting of the votes of the presidential electors who were certified as the winners of Georgia's 2020 general election. As you examine the indictment, you will see acts that are identified as overt acts and those that are identified as predicate acts, sometimes called acts of racketeering activity. Overt acts are not necessarily crimes under Georgia law in isolation, but are alleged to be acts taken in furtherance of the conspiracy. Many occurred in Georgia and some occurred in other jurisdictions and are included because the grand jury believes they were part of the illegal effort to overturn the results of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. The acts identified as predicate acts or acts of racketeering activity are crimes that are alleged to have been committed in furtherance of the criminal enterprise. Acts of racketeering activity are also charged as separate counts in the indictment against those who are alleged to have committed them. All elections in our nation are administered by these states which are given the responsibility of ensuring a fair process and an accurate counting of the votes. That includes elections for presidential electors, Congress, state officials, and local offices. The state's role in this process is essential to the functioning of our democracy. Georgia, like every state, has laws that allow those who believe that results of an election are wrong, whether because of intentional wrongdoing or unintentional error, to challenge those results in our state courts. The indictment alleges that rather than abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. Subsequent to the indictment, as is the normal process in Georgia law, the, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of August, 2023. I remind everyone here 
that an indictment is only a series of allegations based on a grand jury's determination of probable cause to support the charges. It is now the duty of my office to prove these charges in the indictment beyond a reasonable doubt at trial. I would like to take a moment to thank, thank the Superior Court Clerk, Shay Alexander, and her staff for staying late and making sure that this indictment was processed. I would also like to thank the men and women of Sheriff Labatt's office for keeping the courthouse open, but most importantly for keeping us safe over the weeks and months that have led up to this indictment and for what I know they will continue to do to keep us safe. We also want to thank the Atlanta Police Department and other law enforcement partners who have worked with the sheriff to keep us safe. I will now take a very limited number of questions prior uh, to going to sleep. Can you clarify in Georgia uh, the mandatory minimum when it comes to RICO charges, whether it's servable by probation or how that might play out? The RICO charges has time that you have to serve, so it is not a probated sentence. Madam District Attorney, what's the timetable for the trial? What is the timetable for the trial? Yes. As you know, in this jurisdiction, trials are set by the judges, um, and so it will be the judge that sets the date of the trial. This office will be su submitting a proposed scheduling order within this week. However, that will totally be at the discretion of the judge. You're the fourth person, the fourth jurisdiction now to indict Donald Trump. Do you believe you need to be the fourth one to try him, or could you move it up? Do you want to be the first to try him? I don't have any desire to be first or last. I want to try him and be respectful for our sovereign states. Um, we do want to move this case along, and so we will be asking for a proposed order that occurs a trial date within the next six months. Any contact? Um, there was earlier today, there was a fictitious document, according to the Fulton County Clerk's Office, that was circulated online with charges against former President Donald Trump. Those, that fictitious document uh, matched exactly the charges that we now see in this indictment. Can you tell us more about that document leak? Uh, because now you have the former president's lawyers who are saying that this is emblematic of a serious problem with your office. No, I can't tell you anything about um, what you refer to. What I can tell you is that we had a grand jury here in Fulton County. They deliberated till almost 8 o'clock, if not right after 8 o'clock. An indictment was returned. It was true-billed, and you now have an indictment. Um, I am not an expert on clerk's duties um, or even administrative duties. I wouldn't know how to work that system, and so I'm not going to speculate. Next question. Have you had any contact with the special counsel about overlap between these cases, and do you intend to try all of these defendants together? Do I intend to try the 19 defendants in this indictment together? Yes. Have you had any contact with the special counsel about the overlap between this indictment and the federal indictment? I'm not going to discuss our investigation at this time. Conversations made by former President Trump that this is a politically motivated indictment. I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. That's how decisions are made in every case. To date, this office has indicted, since I've been sitting as a district attorney, over 12,000 cases. This is the 11th RICO indictment. We followed the same process. We look at the facts, we look at the law, and we bring charges. Have you had conversations about the terms of surrender? 
Will you try this case yourself, Has Ms. Willis? Has the jury been cleared? Get down. Get down. There it is. I got a real, I'm sorry, a bit of a, I don't know, Rob. Uh, she was mispronouncing names left and right. Um, yeah. It was, at least she took some questions, but the whole thing is uh, ludicrous. 19, did she say she wants to try 19 of them together? Yeah. Uh, like one of those big cages like we saw in Egypt, you know what I mean, yeah. when they would bring everybody in. I've never seen, I don't think you could, is that possible? Yeah. This country, 19 at the same time? It kind of it, it kind of trends right with the, along with what we're seeing right now, which is this is just, uh, this is ridiculous. I mean, we, we saw the reporter asked right there, this looks exactly, it looks very similar to the charges that uh, leaked out on your website earlier today. Oh, I, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I mean, they had this thing done before the grand jury had even heard the testimony, before they had even voted. I mean, and then she has the audacity to sit up there and say that this has nothing to do with politics. I mean, these people are so phony. This is so wrong. Please go through the motions of uh, objectivity, fairness, something, something. But no, they want the trial within uh, six months. I believe that's the that's the goal. And uh, with that, she's going to bed. And you know what? With that, we'll go to bed pretty soon. And tomorrow, maybe the next day, this will seem like old news. You know, every time this happens, it seems like the world is changing and will never be recognizable. Yeah. And in about 12 to 24, maybe 36 hours, this will seem like, well, we're going to go through. We know what it's like. Donald Trump will have to show yeah. for a Raymond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that'll be a spectacle. And we'll watch and we'll, you know, lament. But he's going to go on and get stronger. I am still optimistic. Look, I, I, I make it quite clear how I feel. I think he can beat all of this. It may take a miracle, but miracles have a way of finding Donald Trump. The, the one thing that's scary, though, is it's, it's the lawfare part of it. It's how much is he going to have to spend to get out of this? How much of his time is this going to take? Is he going to be sitting uh, in courtrooms at, at critical points? Uh, when he needs to be out there wooing the American people. Is Joe Biden going to be on the trails fighting for the people while, while Donald Trump is sitting in a courtroom? I mean, all of this is intentional, and it's, it's very malicious. It's very ugly to see how this works. And tonight you just saw the, 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 the latest chapter of it. I mean, when we pick this all apart tomorrow, and that's going to begin first thing in the morning, I think you're going to see some, I think it's going to be a pretty pitiful indictment. I mean, just the things that I've read, it just seems so trivial, and it's so, it's, it's so intentional. And it's, it, it doesn't match at all with the way that they handle law and order, especially in places like Fulton County. And it certainly doesn't match at all the way that they handle um, allegations against the sitting president of the United States. So the true experts so far, not impressed. Uh, that's uh, Alan Dershowitz and yeah. Judge Napolitano. And let's bring in Sebastian Gorka once again and one of our favorites, Bruce Lavelle. Welcome to you both. Uh, Bruce, what are you what are you thinking right now? And, and, and what did you think of the performance we just saw? Well, I'm in Fulton County. I've been here for good over a decade. Um, I have a pulse of Fulton County. I know a lot of these folks. And the interesting thing, a few of these guys on this indictment, I've known for over 20 years and very, very ethical. I'll just put it right there. So that in itself is just disturbing seeing that. And, you know, it's interesting what the judge said earlier, how he said they were going to shake down other folks to get other people to, to roll and all that. You know, that's true. There's a lot of lot of strong arm. But real quick, I know we got to go to Sebastian. You, you notice that finally Willis, when she was talking about thanking the sheriff, ladies and gentlemen, the sheriff, the, 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 the jails are overrun. The Atlanta police is 30 percent down. There's murders everywhere in Fulton County. I'm not exaggerating, okay? She has totally took all her resources and wasted 
all the taxpayers dime on this indictment, guys. Listen, I have a business here. I have a pulse of Atlanta. I was on the board for the 96 Olympics advisory. I know these guys, these Democrats, these, these business people. They don't like this. They don't want these black clouds on this. And I wrote an op-ed about Fannie Willis, uh, you know, Letitia Peekaboo James, as well as Alvin Bragg. And if you notice, there's a there's a pattern of this. And I can mention other district attorneys, as the other guy, Abe, said, listen, uh, Zuckerberg and all these other and Soros, they went out strategically after these solicitors, these district attorneys. Listen, if we look at other states, they're more like these people, ladies and gentlemen. This, that's that's the, the, the irony of this whole situation here. Bruce, thank you for that. Sebastian, I did get a Letitia James kind of vibe in that I think she was doing this at the kind of 20,000 foot level and the people uh, on her right or left may have been doing the bulk of the work, but please tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, uh, Letitia James, Alvin Bragg, Black Panther vibe there for sure. Uh, and then the laugh at the end, the joke at the end, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> then I'm going to go to sleep. I mean, who's been keeping America awake? When, when was the last time that, that, you know, we had live coverage at what, midnight of a grand jury? And this whole thing about, oh, I, I don't know anything about that county clerk. I'm just a DA. I have nothing to do with that. That was eight hours ago. Eight hours ago, the charges were leaked. Before the grand jury voted on them, that tells you everything you need to know. This is Leventi Beria. This is, you know, the, the founder of the precursor of the KGB. Show me the man and I will find you the crime. Let's be clear. President Trump hasn't done anything wrong. But we've actually had people commit crimes to try and steal an election. The FBI, the CIA, Comey, yeah. Brennan, the illegal FISA warrants on the Trump campaign, the denial that the Russia uh, you know, hoax was a hoax, and then the suppression with the FBI and the DHS and Twitter, the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Those, those are attempts to steal an election, not one individual charge, but to quote a good friend of mine, a Jewish friend of mine, an Orthodox friend who just tweeted this, Joel, you know who you are. I don't care. I'm still voting for Trump. And I think that applies to millions of new people tonight because they just had it. They've had it with the non-republic tactics in America. Yeah. Amen. Thank, thank you, Sebastian, very, very much. All right. So what is next? We heard that there's going to be an arraignment on Thursday. And I, we've been through this before. It seems like the world has come to an end, uh, but we all move on. Trump improves in the polls. Next week will be the Fox News debate, and we'll watch that. They'll all have to talk about Trump. Quite frankly, I hope he does not go. I don't think it's in his interest to go to that debate. I see, Sebastian, you agree. Bruce, uh, Rob, I just think that would be not good. He, he he does not have to risk it. And it's always a risk when you walk into a debate. Rob, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment on that one. I kind of see it the other way. I, I don't like anybody that backs down from a fight in some, in some situations like that. I don't think he wants to not go. I don't know what he's going to do here, but, you know. I don't know. That, that, that's a tricky one for me. <laughs> all right. Gentlemen, uh, as we take this all in, America is going to survive. I don't know how. You know, we heard uh, uh, Mark earlier uh, describe this as a very dark moment, and I do see it as a very dark moment. Uh, he acknowledged that uh, Democrats have Trump derangement syndrome and the media has been guilty of 
beyond malpractice, criminal malpractice. I mean, he did, he, in his opinion, he said Donald Trump may have behaved inappropriately, and I appreciate that he said inappropriately. He didn't say illegally, and some people find him inappropriate, but I do think we're going to make it through. And yeah. as dark as it kind of should be right now, you know, there's levity, there's, we've got Caroline Levitt, and the money's rolling in. If you, if you, I'm sorry, say that one more time. Caroline Levitt is standing by, but before Bruce, my my summation, am I am I am I am I too optimistic? Am I being silly here? Should I be more serious? No, I'm I'm very optimistic. Listen, you're talking to a guy from the from the escalators to now, and I have never stopped. Y'all know me. I have stayed very consistent. I believe in Donald John Trump. I look at all the great uh, achievements that we did in, in the four years, and I just have to believe that when he said in that iconic time, that uh, debate when he was Jeb Bush over there, and they start booing him. And I and listen, I worked all spin rooms, I worked all debates, I have been to Hofstra, St. Louis, to Vegas, I was there. And let me tell you, that night, he was right. All the special interests and pay-to-play people bought up all the tickets. We had to stand on the side of the wall where you couldn't get in, and they booed him. He says, listen to that. I don't want their money. I don't want their money, and I don't need their money. I want to do what's right for the American people. That right there in itself, as you see where we're at now, I didn't know how deep the swamp was. I knew it was deep when he says he was going to be beholding a special interest. I, I, I just didn't know. But look where we're at. Look what's been uncovered. Look what has been overturned. Look what has been exposed. So there is no way that they're going to be able to stop him. And they're in this great movement. Yeah. Look at all the American first people, Greg. That's like Byron Donalds and all these people that have been elected this year. That's the optimism, sir. We got this. It's coming. Yeah. Well said. Just, well said. <laughs> I like that. I like all that. Caroline, he's got till Friday, uh, I think midday, to turn himself in uh, in Fulton County. They say they're going to give him a mug shot as well. So CNN will actually have some viewers on Thursday or Friday night. The most famous popular man in the world needs a mug shot. How ridiculous that yep. tells you it's a witch hunt. But I will say there will probably be some uh, astronomical merchandise sales coming from the Trump campaign if that mug shot, mug shot is taken. But just watching Fannie Willis, you guys, what a phony this woman is. And she said this, which really stuck with me. We need to move this case along. Move this case along. The 2020 election was three years ago. It is August 2023. We are five months away from the Iowa caucuses. That tells the American public everything they need to know. It's not about 2020. It's about interfering in 2024. Uh, interfering with. There should be a law against that, too. And uh, they prob there probably is many. All right, Sebastian, uh, we are wrapping up right now. Final thoughts from you, if you don't mind. Well, look, I, I, I salute your positive attitude. We do have to be happy warriors. But this is perhaps one of the darkest moments in our history, short of, you know, a political assassination. This isn't the targeting of one man. This is the targeting of 73 million Americans. Remember what President Trump said in that seminal video. He said, it's, it's not about me. I'm just in the way. This is an individual who isn't owned by any any special interest group in America. Not big oil, not big farm, and not the unions, not the U.S. chain. Ah.
He froze up. Damn, he was on a yeah, roll, too. That was a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sebastian Gorka, thank you. Caroline Levitt, thank you. And Bruce LaBelle, thank you very, very much. We're wrapping up here for the night. Rob, wow. What do you say? Um, I see a list, a long list of felonies. I see a whole bunch of co-conspirators, as they call them. And I see a lot of nonsense here that just doesn't get charged unless you're in the wrong political party. This is... Uh, this is garbage. Uh, I mean, it, again, we've we've laid it out tonight. Our, our guests have done a great job laying out how many. I mean, how many different ways can they interfere in an election? How much conspiracy can they have? And nobody cares. It gets applauded when it happens on the other side. This is what well, you get. It's amazing. Only Donald Trump could withstand this kind of pressure. Only him. And uh, they're messing with the wrong guy. They they really are, and the wrong people. Yeah. MAGA. Uh, I um, I love it. Make America great again. What could be the problem with that? Well, listen. Everybody, thank you for uh, watching our special coverage. Uh, Rob, good to work with you. Good to see Welcome you. to the Great Kelly Show. Yeah. It's the Rob Schmidt Show. And thank you all. Thank you very much.